everybody, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Tuesday, November 3rd is the day, and if you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, Tuesday, usually a different voice at the start of these podcasts. You're right, Nando DeFino. Uh, what a bum. Taking a vacation in the middle of the football season. It's like, who does this guy think he is? So he's out. I am in. Michael Beller, usually behind the glass on Tuesday mornings, but with you now in front of the microphone with Chris Vaccaro. Uh, Vaccaro, I mean, who, Nando's the guy who works in football. That's where he drive, derives his living from. And he takes a vacation for a week in November? What's this guy doing? What is going on? I couldn't believe it. I mean, where's the where's the dedication, Mike? I mean, we're week eight, right? The dead in the middle of fantasy football season, and it's time to go on vacation? I don't know. Maybe he's just built differently than we are. <laughs> That's got to be it, right? That's got to be it. There's not going to be any sort of uh, weird fill-in-the-blank questions or anything like that, any uh, lingering <laughs> yeah. holding on to Halloween, any strange trade propositions that will never be made in fantasy leagues. We're not going to get any of that. So we know he's built differently, I guess. No, no Jeff Smith for Adrian Peterson trade <laughs> yeah, uh, <right? laughs> questions today. Believe that. Believe it or not, we're not going to talk any about uh, Dwayne Haskins' rookie cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my boy Nando, he comes up with some good ones, he, doesn't he? He does for sure. He does for sure. Just giving him a hard time here. Uh, we are at it week eight as you uh, or week eight behind us, moving on to week nine, as you said, Chris. So we are yeah. comfortably into the second half of the fantasy football quick. season. It really does. And we're into the second half of the fantasy season. We are into the second half of the real life NFL season. Uh, so we pretty much should know a lot about these teams and these players. But even though that's the case, we are still seeing some teams undergo change at this halfway point of the season. And that's where I want to focus this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So what we've got here are 10 offenses that are undergoing some sort of change. It could be a quarterback change. It could be just injuries, driving change that they don't necessarily want to make. It could just be the mere fact that they're playing better, but undergoing some sort of change. And we're going to judge whether we think that is a change that sticks around or how a quarterback change, how an injury-driven change is going to have to alter what these teams do for the rest of the season, and uh, let's start this with a good one. These are not all going to be positive, but let's start with the positive. Let's start on a high note with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they made the change to Justin Herbert. Maybe this would have happened at this point of the season or by this point of the season, uh, even without the uh, medical malpractice that forced Tyrod Taylor out of the lineup in L.A., but Justin Herbert has just been so great for this team. So great for uh, for Keenan Allen, obviously. Mike Williams we're seeing coming up with some big games too here. Uh, with the way Justin Herbert has changed things, does it make you feel confident in what we've seen from this offense that they can keep this rolling for the remainder of the season? Oh, yeah. This is a, this is a pretty big-time offense, Mike. And it's crazy how it happened because this was an offense I was totally fading coming into mm-hmm. the season draft day. And uh, I just had this conversation with someone. It's funny. You know, we go into draft season, we're thinking Tyrod Taylor is going to be the quarterback of this team, at least for, you know, for the significant part of the season before maybe they turn it over to Herbert late in the year. But, uh, you know, because of that reason, Keenan Allen was pretty much off my board. Uh, now he, he was turned into a sixth round draft pick steal, probably one of the biggest ones along with Stefan Diggs in, in that area. Um, they're killing it, those teams. Um, and the same thing now with Mike Williams, you know, Mike Williams is still an enigma to me, Mike. Uh, you know, he had the big game in New Orleans a couple weeks back. Then he dropped an absolute dud while he was in everyone's fantasy lineups two weeks ago versus Jacksonville. Now comes back and looks like a legit wide receiver three 
for your fantasy team this past week. So he needs to get a little more consistent, um, you know, but with Herbert back there, man, uh, you could support a couple of these wide receivers. Uh, Hunter Henry's got to get it going, though, don't Mike? Yeah, that's the one that surprises me that we really haven't seen anything from Hunter Henry because uh, um, uh, Justin Herbert is putting up numbers. He's putting up the sorts of numbers where you would think that there would be three sustained regular passing game options, two alongside Keenan Allen, and it just doesn't feel like that's been the case, right? I mean, we've had Jalen Guyton pop up with some big games. We've seen Justin Jackson contribute as a receiver. I would think Hunter Henry would be someone who would get in the mix, but it just hasn't been there for him. 33 yards last week, 23 in both of the games before that, 39 yards the week before that. And these are games where, I mean, you look at what the Chargers are putting up, 31 points in week four, 27 points in week five, 39 points in week seven off their bye, and then 30 points in week eight against the Broncos. I mean, this team is scoring points. This team is putting up yards. Hunter Henry not really getting involved, and you're still going to run him out there. I mean, you think about the state of the tight end position. I mean, it's not like you're going to go and grab Harrison Bryant off the waiver wire and play him over Hunter Henry, but... I feel like he's still someone who I want to bet on for the second half. It just feels like things have to fall together for him eventually. Yeah, I mean, listen, the situation looks great. And as you were saying, the tight end position, now, you know, you take George Kittle out of the mix. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry's in a position where he could be a top seven tight end the rest of the year. And fantasy owners have to be looking at him like, come on now, you know, I have you rostered and you're in a good position with a good quarterback and a good offense. It's time for him to produce, but, uh, you know, when you watch the, the Charger games every week, it's funny, the guys that sneak in and get the, the production, the Guitans of the world, they they bring in, you know, their second and third tight ends, Virgil Green, who's now out for the season, he was catching touchdowns, the mm-hmm. kid Parnum, uh, you know, they mix all these guys in, it was, uh, you know, every tight end scored two weeks ago for them, except Hunter Henry. Yeah, and that's so, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that must have drove, uh, you know, Henry owners crazy, uh, but, uh there's no reason why Henry shouldn't be, uh, you know, a big part of this offense going forward. Uh, the backfield is a complete uh, mess mm-hmm. right now, I would say. Justin Jackson looks like he could be a nice RB2 flex play. But it uh, looks like Josh Kelly now has lost his, uh, you know, role as the lead back to the kid Pope, who looked really good the other day running. So I would think he would be a big, um, you know, uh, waiver wire ad. This week, along with Wilkins from Indianapolis, those two guys, I think people would be trying to get for, you know, to save themselves at the running back position. Um, so it looks like Kelly is either bench, you know, he's definitely benchable now yeah. and he could be droppable for a lot of people this week. Um, and, you know, how far along is Austin Eckler? I hear that uh, he just started running again the other day. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, he's two, three, four weeks away. So, um, you know, a lot of question marks with this offense, but the one thing that isn't a question mark is Herbert's a top eight fantasy quarterback and Keenan Allen is a wide receiver one. We're seeing these other guys get involved too with the Mike Williams touchdown with Justin Jackson now giving us two strong games out of three that Austin Eckler has missed. So maybe those are some guys you can rely on and still feeling decent about Hunter Henry in the second half of the season, even though that has something to do with just the state of the tight end position. Just got to believe if this offense keeps playing like this, if Justin Herbert keeps playing like this, things have to eventually break through. For Hunter Henry, um, let's turn it over to a team that is undergoing change for a reason it would rather not be undergoing change. The San Francisco 49ers, the most Oof. injured team 
in the league. I mean, this team, you could go all the way back to the offseason and Debo Samuel having the Jones fracture in his foot. This team has mm-hmm. literally not been healthy from the word go in this 2020 season. And then just the coup de grace in week eight, George Kittle done for the season, almost certainly, unless they make some sort of you know dramatic run and make the playoffs. He's definitely done for the fantasy season, going to be out at least eight weeks after fracturing a bone in his foot. Jimmy Garoppolo out another six weeks at least. Uh, could be the rest of the season if the ankle requires surgery. So Nick Mullins comes in. And let's talk about Nick Mullins for a second because, you know, he got some empty calories uh, in the game against Seattle, but he did put up some numbers basically in just one quarter of play. Got to feel like at least a healthy Mullins is an upgrade over a 75, 80% at best Garoppolo that we were dealing with before this. Uh, Mike, I don't know, to be honest with you, because the kid Mullins, you know, he when Garoppolo went down the first time, he came in, he, he, he looked good. Everybody was, if you remember, everybody, oh, they're better off with Mullins as mm-hmm. their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then I, I believe it was that game Sunday night versus the Eagles where he was absolutely atrocious. And he gets benched second half and Beathard comes in and looks like he's the guy that, you know, should be leading the offense. So which Nick Mullins are we going to get going forward? And does it even matter? Because who's this kid throwing to? You know, this <laughs> offense is depleted. I've yep. never seen a team get wiped out, you know, talent-wise more than this team. You know, I, I know we're, we're fantasy guys, but even on the defensive line and all yeah. their defensive players, which were all studs, wiped out. You take away George Kittle now, who... I, George Kittle's got to rank right up there, Mike, with, uh, you know, the Dak Prescott injury for fantasy teams this year, the the Saquon Barkley's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's a he's the number one tight end in fo- fantasy football. That's a major blow um, for fantasy owners who had that advantage. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think know. of who you passed on to take George Kittle. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I, I still think it was the right move taking George Kittle in that, uh, you know, early third round, late second round because of the difference he was making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him and Kelsey really have I, I've wrote I've written about this in my articles. I was completely fading early round tight ends. That's the Kittles, the Kelsey's, Andrews, Ertz, all, all the way up to Waller and Higby's all that. I didn't draft a tight end in the top 100 on any of my teams th- this year. So when injuries happen and, and, and you know, guys go down or, or just crap the bed like the Ertzes of the world and Mark Andrews lately, it's it's big for me and my teams. But, you know, that's a major blow for, for Kittle and Kelsey, uh, for Kittle uh, owners because that's a huge advantage they had over every team in the league. You know, Kittle and Kelsey were dominating and um, – Huge blow. Uh, this offense, I just think they go heavy run now here, Mike, going forward. They get Tevin Coleman back. I don't know how far off Mozart is. Uh, probably Still a couple two. weeks, yep. Yeah, it's going to be another couple weeks. After that, uh, Debo will probably be back in a couple weeks also. But uh, this team is uh, you know, just a dumpster fire for the rest of the year here. Uh, they're going nowhere. Let's take a look at their immediate future. You may you say, who do they throw to? I think the top two pass catchers in this offense until you get Debo Samuel back are Brandon Ayuk and Jordan Reed, who is on track to return from the IR in week mm-hmm. nine. You have any short-term interest in either of these two guys? Yeah, you know what? Jordan Reed's going to be a popular ad again. You know, he's the forgotten man. He's been out for a while with his injury. He comes back now. People are going to have to go to the wire and go and take a shot on Jordan Reed, who – once again, looked pretty good before he got hurt. 
So, um, and they used him well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jordan Reed's going to be, uh, you know, someone I'm looking at on teams that I'm a little uh, tight end needy myself and hope that he is back in, in, you know, the next week. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, go back to week seven, 115 I, yards on six catches last week, eight catches, 91 yards and a touchdown. So yeah, he's liking I mean, that wide Ayuk, receiver one spot. Yeah, I mean, you got to think Ayuk is uh, locked into your, you know, your what, wide receiver two spot. Uh, going forward here, um, yeah. you know, at worst, a wide receiver yeah. three. Wherever he is on your team, he's playing if you've got him. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, all right. You mentioned the Eagles. Let's talk about the Eagles. A totally different look for this offense than what we thought was going to be at the start of the season, right? This was mm-hmm. uh, Deshaun Jackson and uh, Alshon Jeffrey when he gets healthy and Zach Gertz, and those guys are gone. And now we've got Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager back off IR, Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Back off IR. Hopefully we're getting Miles Sanders back sooner rather than later. It does sound like maybe he's got a chance to play here uh, after their week nine bye in week 10. Would have to believe that Miles Sanders is going to be back. So basically, you know, they're like they're like the 49ers light where they've had a lot of injuries, not quite as severe as the 49ers have dealt with. But it looks like maybe week 10 is the first time we see a fully healthy Eagles offense, even if it wasn't what we thought it was going to be to start the season. You give Carson Wentz, Fulgham, Rieger, Sanders, and Goddard. I think this is maybe an offense to buy in the second half of the season. Oh, Mike, you took the words out of my mouth big time. This this offense is pointing all the way up. Uh, I expect big things the rest of the season. And I I mentioned it in my article last week. I think the Eagles run away with the NFC East and win it by three-plus games uh, going forward. Um, you know, they did not look impressive at all on Sunday night. Again, uh, Carson Wentz needs to get his game back together. Even if he's okay now, though, uh, even if he plays average at the quarterback position with the talent that he's surrounded by now, when you come out of the bye, I think Dallas Goddard's a top five tight end the rest of the season, Mike. Uh, that's, you know, I don't know how bold of a prediction that is, but I think Goddard with Zach Ertz out for the foreseeable future. When they come off this bye, Goddard got his feet wet right now, uh, you know, on Sunday night, comes out, gets an extra week and a half to, to get even healthier. I think he's a huge piece of this offense. Rieger jumps right back in. He looks, you know, he looks like he belongs there. Um, and Fulgham, a guy that, you know, I didn't believe in. I thought it was, you know, people were, I thought he was fool's gold, but he's not. I'm wrong. Um, that offense right there, the three of them, and you bring Miles Sanders in, as long as they could stop losing offensive linemen, yeah. this offense is going to be, you know, a 27-point-a-game offense. I, I'm with you on Dallas Goddard. I mean, who would you for sure take at the tight end position over him the rest of the season? Kelsey's a no-brainer. Darren Waller, I think. And I think that's it. I, I mean, I, yeah, Mike, that's right. the way I see it. And, and you know what? Everybody's going to jump on us and say, hey, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews. <laughs> Listen, Mark Andrews has been a bust. He had two really nice games where he got the, uh, I think he scored two touchdowns in yep. both of those games. He had two monster games, but after that, he's been a he's been a bomb in every other game. I don't know what's going on. That Baltimore offense is a mess with Lamar Jackson. But, uh, you know, I think Goddard's a top five tight end. And uh, I've been, uh, when he was dropped in certain leagues weeks ago, I was scooping him up and stashing him. Um I own a lot of shares of Goddard. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, I'm right on this one. But I think he's a top five tight end uh, the rest of the way. 
Yeah, I think I, I'm definitely right there with you, and I think it's who would be you, probably. Mike? Who would you put in in this category of tight ends? I look around the league. I love T.J. Hawkinson, yeah. and Noah Fant the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I would um, put and Hawkinson now has the Kenny Galladay injury that we saw what happened. Boost. Yep, we yeah, saw what happened. Saw the, targets. the usage he got. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly. He, so I think he, I think yeah. he's a top five guy the rest of the season. We're taking I Kittle agree. out, obviously. I mean, I, I would I would go Kelsey one, Waller two. Goddard three, Hawkinson four, mm-hmm. and God, I mean, it gets it get. I think there's a. I guess Gronk. I would go five just because yeah, of that see, offense. He's, yeah, he's. You know what? It's funny. I I have his name in my head saying. Do I <laughs> want to say he's a top five? But every week you look up, he's in the end zone. And this offense, he's going to be running down the, the, the you know, not running down the field because he really is. <laughs> but, um, you Rumbling, know, with all the talent's going to be on the field, hey, you're not going to be able to cover Gronk one-on-one, you know. He's yeah. going to be in the middle of the field catching those 15-yarders from Brady whenever he wants. So, And you saw yesterday you know, in that game against the Giants, right, where, I mean, he does nothing in the first half. I don't even think he had a target in the first uh, half. And then he still Mike, comes through and gives you a couple yeah. of big catches, gives you, I mean, four for 41 and a touchdown. You'll take that every single day from your tight end. Uh, in this in this landscape of tight ends, if you can give me, uh, you know, that's 14 PPR points right there, mm-hmm. four for 40 and a touchdown. Um, you know, if you could give me 14 points out of my tight end position every week, I'll sign up right now for it, uh, you know, unless you're Travis Kelsey owner. Give me 14 points every week, and I think that's what Gronk can be. Um, you know, it's uh, it's the tight end positions uh, falling apart again this season, <laughs> just like it has every season for like the last God knows how long. We come into this draft season saying, hey, tight end is so deep right now this year, deep as ever. I was drafting tight ends in the 150 range that I liked. You know, you were getting Dallas Goddard 140, 150 yeah. overall this year in drafts as like your 15th tight end off the board. I'm going, my God, tight end is so deep. And now we look up, it's going into week nine, and we don't even have 10 reliable guys. Guys we thought were reliable too are falling off, right? I mean, a few weeks ago, we would have maybe had Johnny Smith in that top five discussion. Yep. But now we're That's looking it. at a team with a healthy A.J. Brown and a healthy Corey Davis, Derrick Henry doing what he does, and suddenly there's three targets for Johnny Smith in a game. Hundred percent. Now and and, and to add to Janu Smith, uh, like Jacecki's a bust. Yeah. Everybody, we all love Jacecki. Most of us love Jacecki coming into the season. Everybody was high on Chris Herndon. I think he's on a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know Hurst. those two. Say it again. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know Hayden Hurst is one of these tight ends that you expect more from him. We'll see if Calvin Ridley can't go in Week mm-hmm. Nine. That should be a bump for Hurst. But, you know, Hurst is like this 5 for 50, 5 for 40 type of tight end, give you 8, 9, 10 points, and, and you know, you pray for him to score to, to have a decent number. But other than that, he hasn't. he's not a top t- uh, 10 tight end. I hope that's not the case because you're going to have to pull me out of a ditch with all my tears surrounding me if uh, Calvin Ridley's unable to go in Week 9. Oh, Mike, I'll be right there with you. Calvin Ridley, <laughs> I mean, after losing Beckham, Calvin Ridley and Terry McLaurin are my two most highly owned wide receivers this year across all my leagues. Uh, and I'm just getting beat up with, with injuries worse than I've ever been before. But you take Calvin Ridley off my teams, and uh, I'll be curled up in a ball somewhere <laughs> this Sunday. I'll be right there with you, so hopefully we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, all right, let's take a look at, uh, I've got the three Florida teams grouped here together. Let's get back onto our teams undergoing change. Let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Game one of the Tua Tungavailoa era. Yeah, it was a, a screwy game, a defensive touchdown, a, uh, what was that, a, some sort of a special teams touchdown. Sure. Really had that in control because of defense and special teams. They didn't ask Tua to do too much, and hey, Tua didn't do too much, but even though we can't draw too much from that one game against the Rams, what are your impressions of this Tua offense and how it's going to affect the skill players around him? Well, Mike, I, Mike, like you said, it we didn't get to see too much of the offense because the defense was turning them over, getting in the end zone. Uh, the numbers weren't there across the board. Uh, you know, Jacecki, I know Devontae Parker, for me, had one catch for three yards and, and, a, and a touchdown. At least it was a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at least it was a touchdown. Um, I mean, who could we rely on, on the, in this offense? We really didn't get a chance to see who he had chemistry with, um, you know, nope. in this game. So it's going to take us another week here versus uh, when they go to Arizona mm-hmm. to see what he can do. Um, you know, uh Gaskin, I mean, yeah, Gaskin, I think is Gaskin. yeah, Gaskin's reliable now. Uh, you know, he's getting the he's getting the workload. Nobody else really contributing in that backfield. So Gaskin's a, a, a solid RB two, I would say, going mm-hmm. forward. And uh, other than that, you know, you got to hope that the chemistry there is with Parker and Jacecki at the tight end. I think it's time for us to to throw the towel in. I'm with you there. I agree with you. And he was someone who I was high on. Basically, the team, I was with you too when it came to tight ends. I was fading anyone early. The Mm -hmm. teams where I got Hawkinson, I feel good about my tight end. The teams where I got Kosicki, not feeling so good about my tight end situation. And that's really just how it broke down. Uh, But I'm with you on Gaskin. He started five games now for this team. Those five games, he's given you 22 carries and five targets, 10 and four, 16 and five, 18 and four, 18 and six. So you can pretty much count on a floor of 20 carries plus targets every single game. And I don't care who you are, what offense you play in. If you're getting that much opportunity as a running back, you're a locked in RB2. Oh God, for, for sure. Uh, you know, and I'll beat the drum again. It's it's volume, volume, and volume. And uh, right now, you can't name twenty four running backs. Uh, <laughs> you know that are <laughs> that are startable. So you give me a running back with that much volume, and he's automatic RB two and maybe back end RB one range. Uh, Very with the no, say go again. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I mean that, that's just the way it is. He he could make a run for, as a top ten running back. He definitely could, absolutely, and I'm very interested to see uh, what a when when this team actually has to get more from Tua. What the uh, effect is on Miles Gaskin? We have seen more than a few running backs who end up playing next to mobile quarterbacks have some of those dump offs taken away from them. You know, Gaskin's not just a dump off pass catcher; he's a guy who's going to run some real routes too. But wonder if his reception ceiling comes down a little bit. Not a lot. He's still going to catch plenty of passes and get plenty of opportunities, but maybe it comes down a little bit from what we saw when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter there. But even if it does, someone who you are definitely going to feel good about starting, I think, every single week the rest of the season. Um, 
Let's this offense to... really doesn't have much. I mean, even yeah, Preston exactly. Williams, what do you do oh, with him? He's. I see people him. every week dropping Preston yeah. Williams. Then he has a decent game. People pick him back up, drop him again. I mean, someone's got to someone's got to contribute here. It's just a mixed match. You know, it's like a mismatch of garbage. Mm-hmm. And you would, I mean, I would have thought that those guys, uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, were going to be safe with the opt outs that Miami had. Right? You go back to Albert Wilson oh, sure. and uh, Alan Hearns, both opting out, and it seems like who else is really going to contribute? Did Jakeem Grant? I mean, not really. But uh, you're just not getting anything from Preston Williams. At least you're getting something from Devontae Parker pretty much every yeah. week. Preston Williams, to me, one of the – you know, I didn't think he was going to be like a top 25 wide receiver. But I thought, you know, pretty easily top 40 wide receiver three territory just because of the fact that someone had to catch passes there. And we just haven't seen it from him. So I'm on that drop train when it comes to him. But, yeah. uh, again, I'm just gonna. it'll be fun to see this offense in a game where they have to ask a little more of Tua. Hopefully we get that in Week 9 against the Cardinals. Uh, how, one how, of a, one of, we're going to be wrong on one of these guys in terms oh, of for sure. Jacecki or Preston Williams. One of these guys is going to have to have a turnaround here and contribute in this offense just based on the targets, you know? Because mm-hmm. you have Parker, you have Williams, you have Jacecki out there. They can't just keep giving everybody two catches, one catch, three catch, and, and straight down the line. One of these guys is going to have to have a turnaround second half season and, and you know, you're going to be happy that you, you held on to them. It's just tough eating theirs, you know, two point games in your lineups if you're throwing them out there. All right, let's move over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Antonio Brown joining the fold this yeah. week. Chris Godwin, we're hoping, is able to return from the uh, fractured finger. Still no word on that yet. We are recording this at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. So uh, no word. I mean, the, the Buccaneers just finished playing 12 hours ago. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more news on Chris Godwin as this week goes on. But you look at this offense now, Godwin. Uh, back into the fold, Antonio Brown in the mix, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in the backfield, Scotty Miller maybe is commanding some sort of target share. I, I mean, how do you feel? How, did, how does everything work in your head when you look at this offense and what Tom Brady is going to be working with for the remainder of the season? Mike, my head is blowing up with this offense. <laughs> um, I, I'm all in. I would be trying to trade for Tom Brady in fantasy leagues. I think he's a top five fantasy quarterback the rest of the way. I think, um, you know, I, you know, the guy that I think in this offense, he's kind of being overlooked right now, but I'd be going to try and make trades for him is Leonard Fournette. I think mm-hmm. the backfield becomes his now going forward. But I think this is an unstoppable offense uh, when you get Godwin back, which you know, I think everyone's assuming that Godwin's back this week and the offense is complete. But I caught, uh, you know, a quick interview with Bruce Arians uh, last week. And Arians was like, you know, I'm not so sure that Godwin will be back in week nine. You know, he had major surgery on this finger. And, you know, he is a wide receiver. He does need to catch. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, it is kind of important. So I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Godwin again this week and we get you know, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Gronk um, with some, you know, one, maybe one more week of Scotty Miller running around out there. Uh, But this is an all systems go offense. This is my team that I think will be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl on their home field in Tampa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's all systems go with this offense. It's just, you know, someone made a good point when you put all these receivers out there on the field, as bad as defenses are this year, you're going to have to bring out your third and fourth DBs 
in the secondary to cover these guys when they go four wide. Because Arians will do that. He'll put out all of them right there and let Brady sit there in the shotgun and pick you apart. And uh, that's why this was an offense I was fading coming into the season. And it's going to backfire big time now (laughs) with the the acquisition of Antonio Brown and the way this offense is going to take off second half of the season. Do you think that, I mean, there's going to have to naturally be weeks where you are disappointed if you have any one of the receivers. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. they can't they can't all give you big games or even useful games. They can't all they can't all be wide receiver two or better every single week. But you're mm. gonna have to trot them out there for sure. Well, well, I would say at least one, if not two of them, will probably disappoint, but you know, they could be four for forty and a touchdown disappoint. And yeah. the way I look at this offense second half of the season, I have I don't know if I've seen an offense be put together like this since Peyton Manning and the and the Broncos when sure. they had you know Demarius Thomas Demarius, Decker and Wes Welker with yep. Julius, and Thomas. Julius Thomas, uh, you know Manning supported all of them on a weekly basis, and they were dropping thirty five to forty five points every week, and everybody was eating. So, you know, I think Brady set this offense up, and Arians with, with a mastermind like Arians and Byron Leftwich making the calls. This could this could be what it looks like. I don't know how much time they'll have to prepare, but I don't know what a brain, you know, like a, a genius like Tom Brady. It's not like you're putting him in with, with a quarterback that hasn't seen it all. Brady's seen it all. He'll make things up on the fly. He'll change his calls at the line. He'll be completing balls left and right over the middle to Gronk. I mean, it's just going to be something to see. That's the way I see it. Um yeah, there's going to be weeks where, you know, Evans drops a bomb and he, you know, he's two for 18 and everyone else eats. But, you know, the next week he'll make up for it. All right, really quick. And then we're going to move on to our next team in a vacuum. Rank the three Buccaneers receivers for me rest of season. Evans, Godwin and Antonio Brown. Oh, that's that's pretty tough, Mike. Um <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. not gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask you if you should trade Adrian Peterson for Austin <laughs> Mack and Jeff Smith. I'm gonna ask you a question that actually matters. I can't put Antonio Brown first. Uh, I'm gonna say Evans one. Okay. Godwin two and Brown three. And all three are top thirty receivers the rest of the season. All three are top twenty four. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I like it. There we yeah. go. No, I'm, I'm real bullish. I'm real bullish on this offense. I think it's, like I said, I think it's 35-plus a game. Um, Okay, well, with that, let's move to an offense that we're a little bit more bearish on, probably the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, You know, as as bad as this this team is, right? The total opposite. (laughs) As bad as this team is, and it's a bad team, and it's an offense that somehow grunts and struggles its way to useful enough fantasy performances in most weeks. We do have a running back one here in James Robinson and a wide receiver in DJ Chark, who's maybe fallen a little short of our expectations. But if you give him a little bit of a pass for the injuries he's dealt with on a per game basis, he's still giving you solid numbers. Not quite what he did in 2019, but still decent enough numbers. You're not, you know, crying when you're plugging DJ Chark into your lineup every single week. But now Gardner Minshew out for at least week nine. And, you know, they're not giving us a timetable, but. A thumb injury on a throwing hand like this is going to be longer than just a week or two, I think, here. Jake Luton steps in as the starter for Jacksonville. I mean, how much do you think this is going to hurt the two fantasy-relevant guys here in Robinson and Shark? Uh, Robinson, I don't know. I don't think it'll affect him too much here, Mike. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, more dump-offs, and, and maybe they rely more on the run game here with the rookie quarterback. But, um, 
you know, Chalk is the mystery. Chalk's been the bust. Uh, I think you can now see why because Minshew's playing with a with a broken thumb. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see him for a while, like you said. But uh, when you look at this Jaguar offense in a hole, it's there's only one guy to focus on, and that is James Robinson. And he's a top six fantasy running back rest of season, and he's been the find of the year. And uh, you keep running him out there, uh, the, all the touches. You get 20-plus touches every game. And, uh, you know, what more can you ask for in this, uh, you know, in this fantasy landscape? It's really been incredible seeing what he's been able to do on a bad team. And he is not mm-hmm. voluming his way there, right? I mean, Miles Gaskin, I think, is a nice enough player. Uh, but he's mostly doing it on volume. J- yeah. James Robinson is doing it on big plays, making big plays on the ground, big plays through the air, and become someone who you know is going to be a big part, I think, of our fantasy lives. We get those one-year flash in the pan where things just fall right for one season, and you're very happy to have him that season, and then the next year rolls around, and you think of him once again as like RB40. I think that's where things are going to be for Miles Gaskin. But James Robinson, yeah, I think we're maybe talking about him as a years-long fantasy guy in this role like this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he completely passes the eye test every week. Uh, that game versus the Chargers, he just took over. Uh, he runs with power. Yeah. Uh, he's got the hands. Uh, he's everything you want in a fantasy running back. And, you know, I didn't know, you know, the shares that I got of him late in draft season or picked him up in free agency early uh, before that. You know, I didn't know how long it would last. I was hoping just to get through the first couple of weeks with, you know, living that dream. Uh, it looks like it's going to be sustained the rest of the season. Uh, so, you know, he's Mike, I want to say he could be, you know, every year I talk about like who's going to be there in the end. Who's going to win these like big overall contests in the high stakes mm-hmm. model? Like who's the main players that you need? You know, I, I think Alvin Kamara, you know, he's going to be on a lot of championship teams. DK Metcalf is at the receiver position, going to be that guy based on where he was going in drafts. I think the number one guy, if not top two or three, is James Robinson. Just because of the combinations you're going to you have with James Robinson, you know, getting him where you got him. Right. So uh, if he could sustain this, you know, big time players have fallen off. The Zeke Elliotts of the world mm-hmm. are falling off. Uh, you know. God knows all these the McCaffrey name, injury, the Saquon the injury, everything. I, I we yeah. could go through a list for ten minutes, but James Robinson is going to be, uh, you know, one of those names you see on a lot of championship teams this year. With where you got him, whether it was late in the draft or you know sneaking him on waivers before the season started, there's got to be a lot of James Robinson, Alvin Kamara teams, James Robinson, right. Dalvin Cook teams, and those teams are sitting very pretty. There's probably, I mean, think of where Aaron Jones was going. I bet you've got people out there who've got like an Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, James Robinson team. Uh, Mike, it's funny that you mentioned that combo. Those are all the teams that are up there in the top of the overall standings right now in the high stakes market. You know, it's the Kamara round one with Aaron Jones round two combination that I Mm -hmm. see. And, And if not both of those guys, at least one of them with a James Robinson on the team with a DK Metcalf. Mixed in with a quarterback combination of either Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, um, you know, or, or uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, or, or Josh Allen? You know, oh, hey, see, Josh Allen in the beginning of the season, but those yeah. teams have fallen off the, the yeah. overall standings <laughs> lately. You know, he's a, he's a mystery to me. He's got to really pick it up. But, um, yeah, it's basically those guys, Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. uh, two quarterbacks just because of where you got them that are that are saving teams at the quarterback position. But those mixture of combinations right there, that's, uh, 
you know, that's the winning formula right now through eight weeks. All right, Chris, we got four more teams that I want to get to here. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals. The reason why I want to talk about this offense is mm-hmm. because pretty sneaky fun, right? I mean, Joe Burrow living Love up it. to those first round expect or the first overall pick expectations. He gets a ton of volume. Zach Taylor is not afraid to let him drop back 40 plus times every single game with Joe Mixon, without Joe Mixon. It really doesn't seem to matter. And I think now with, I mean, AJ Green had a couple of useful games. He back went dormant in week eight, but still you look at this offense with Burrow, Higgins, Boyd, Green, Mixon, Bernard. I mean, you feel pretty good about all these guys hitting their weekly expectations, I think. Uh, Mike, I love this offense. Um, I, I mentioned it in my column last week that this is already, you know, an offense as you look ahead to our 2021 fantasy drafts. This is an offense I'm going to be trying to get as many shares of, whether it's Burrow, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, this is an offense I'm going to be buying into next year you know, for an offense that I think could be a potential top three offense in 2021. Um, Love it. Love what I'm seeing. I think second half of the season, the offense gets even more in sync, takes off even further. Uh, You mix it in with a bad defense. Mm -hmm. Um, You're looking at high scoring games. They're not, they're not, uh, you know, scared to let Burrow learn under fire and, uh, you know, and sling it. He's doing that on a weekly basis. He's doing it right now the last couple of weeks without uh, Joe Mixon, who I'm thrilled to hopefully be getting back in week 10. You come out of the bye with a Joe Mixon, who I think will be a top 10 running back. Uh, the, the tight end, the, the running back landscape, you know, again, Mike, you know, the, we're going to be getting Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb back into this mix. Miles Sanders. It, and Miles Sanders, correct. Um I don't know how far off Drake and Eckler are, but I'm just talking those three right there, three monster backs coming back into the running back market for teams that if you're still alive and you're in good shape and you could get those three guys back, uh, if you own any of them, they could take you to another level here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but in terms of the Bengal offense, I love the T Higgins pick was a home run. Uh, I think he's a solid wide receiver too. the rest of the way. And another thing, I think Tyler Boyd has to be talked about as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver right now. Uh, He's doing it on a consistent basis. He is the leader of this wide receiver crew. And uh, you mentioned A.J. Green. As soon as everybody started to dip their toe back into the A.J. Green water after a couple solid weeks, he goes and burns you again. Uh, There's a lot of A.J. Green haters (laughs) out there in fantasy world this year. Just to close the loop on those running backs, we left one big name out there. Maybe people were screaming at their phones. Christian McCaffrey also getting back on Very the field. Very true. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so, how I mean, good is Yeah. That's, <laughs> so uh, that's pretty a pretty big one there, Mike. That's a, that's a big one that we left hanging out <laughs> there. They're all, all coming back, and that definitely uh, has But it is crazy. Good. It's a weird season, yeah. Mike. And, and, you know, you see a lot of teams are 4-4 four and four after week 8, uh, you know, it, in that area, there's all my leagues just seem to be a jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. Um, those teams that have survived the first eight weeks and get one of those four running backs back, you take it to another whole level. You know, at the same yeah. time, you might be the team that's the Mike Davis owner without McCaffrey, and you're sitting there six and two. Well, now you're gonna you might be getting caught from behind because you're in trouble. So. You know, uh, I- Getting back to the Bengals, I'm interested yes. to see what they do coming out of the bye. They've got a bye here in week nine. Um, we know, right, a, a rookie quarterback, a inventive head coach, 
in yep. Zach Taylor. I, I think we could and and coming off just a monumental victory, taking down the Tennessee Titans and controlling that game start to finish. I think it's going to be a fun thing that we see. They come out of the bye, and they've got a couple of tough matchups. They hit the road to take on Pittsburgh and Washington, their first two games out of the bye. Say what you will about Washington. It's a good defense. Um, And then things soften up for them a little bit after that. But really interested to see what this team does coming out of the bye, how much more work they're able to get into Joe Burrow. And I think it's a theme of this season. Uh, We talk about it all the time, coming out of buys and what teams can do newly. But you look at this season, how strange the summer was. No minicamp, no OTAs, no training camp, no preseason for rookies. And now Zach Taylor gets two unbroken weeks to work on things with Joe Burrow. I wonder if we see a new wrinkle or two from this offense. I I, I agree, and I would look for that. Um, You know, he's... They go in with momentum after the big win. Uh, the team's been competitive. They've been in their games. Uh, yeah. You know, the game versus the Colts a couple weeks ago, uh, they were winning that whole game. They blow it at the end. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen with young teams that are learning on the fly. Yeah. But uh, I want to uh, say they're yeah. one of the best teams against the spread in the league this season. Let me yeah. Pull that up, yeah, because uh, they're always getting a lot of points and, and they're always, you know, in the game. So. Uh, they were catching seven, uh, six and a half uh, last week versus Tennessee. They went outright. So, you know, not too many people saw that coming. But they're a competitive team, and, and, and I like the offense. It's a, definitely an offense to buy in on second half of the season. Yeah, they are 6-2 uh, and two against the spread this season. They have the best against the spread record in the NFL. Yeah. So there you go with the uh, what they've been able uh, to do this season. Going to be a fun team to watch over the second half. Uh, stick in the same division. Talk about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this team, we know that they want to run the ball, and they're, they've, they, do it, they did it as best as they've done it at all last week against the Steelers. Of course, it came attached to a loss, but we saw a big game out of J.K. Dobbins, a big game out of Gus Edwards. Uh, Lamar Jackson ran for 65 yards on 16 carries, had what would have been like a 20- or 25-yard touchdown run taken off the board because of a holding penalty, but at the same time, we're just not seeing them move the ball at all through the air, and Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are really looking like supreme fantasy busts. It's not really costing the Ravens in the standings. They're still among the best teams in the AFC. They're 5-2. and two. They're definitely going to the playoffs. Probably not going to chase down the Steelers for that AFC North title, but mm-hmm. it's just a hard team to square yourself with fantasy-wise because you can trust Lamar, but you still have a jumbled backfield, even if it is Dobbins and Edwards and Mark Ingram is pushed out of the picture. And then I don't know what you even think about these pass catchers. It is a strangely productive offense yeah. for me and that it feels like Lamar is the only guy you can trust. I mean, it, this is a frustrating offense. You're right. And I watch them on a weekly basis and I'm a frustrated Marquise Hollywood Brown owner. I'm even more frustrated when when you watch the 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 you know the videos of how many times Hollywood Brown has been wide open running down the field, and Lamar Jackson has either <clears throat> underthrown him over not not really overthrown him. He's just so <laughs> inaccurate. I've never been a Lamar Jackson fan. I had to eat a lot of crow last year when he wins the MVP. Um, you know because I, I just never believed in him as a, you know a passing quarterback. Uh, he's just not accurate, Mike, and he gets it done fantasy-wise with his legs. He'll put up some decent numbers, but he's been a complete bust as a second-round draft pick for fantasy owners mm-hmm. this year. You have to agree, no? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Uh, he's just not getting it done. The, the options that you could have went with instead of him, uh, you know, we could go down the list, but it, it's, it hasn't worked out for him. We've talked about Andrews earlier in the show about, yeah, he's had the two big games, but he's had four or five big 
bust games, um, you know, of 10 points or less. I don't think he's got more than 60 yards in a game this season. Yeah, because he relied on those couple games with the multiple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what do you do with him? Is he is he a touchdown or bust type tight end? Is that what I we're looking he at here? Top his his top three yardage games this season: fifty eight, fifty seven, fifty six. He has two games with more than three catches. Amazing, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, and and who would have thought that coming into the the, the year? Uh, I believe the opening week, I believe week one was a two touchdown game. Yep. Uh, and, the, the and, the, and the high watermark of 58 yards. That was Exactly. Week one. And, and <laughs> I think I know I'm, I did. But when I watched that opening week, I said, oh, my God, this guy's going to make a run for tight end one overall this year in this offense. It's going to be a complete miss for the fifth round target, fourth, fifth round target um, where he was going in drafts. And it hasn't been after that. So someone's got to pick it up. Hollywood Brown, uh, hopefully he's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. He's finally opened his mouth and started complaining here. Where are, where are the rollouts? Where are the where is the play action pass bombs down to Hollywood Brown? Should be taking three or four of those shots every game easily with Hollywood Brown. Um, he's got to get it going. He's been a huge disappointment in fantasy lineups, and uh, luckily, you know, he gets in the end zone here and there just to right. just to save some days, but. As a whole, I'll say this, the last thing I'll say on this offense, it's time to turn the backfield over to J.K. Dobbins. There you go. That's what I was going to ask it's next, time. so thank you it's, for taking it there. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Mark Ingram should just be that veteran voice in the backfield on the sidelines cheering you on after this. They probably hold him out on purpose with this high ankle sprain. I don't think you see him for another one, or, you know, at least one or two more weeks. I don't think you see Ingram. Gus Edwards is a solid backup, but it's time now to, to get – Light a spark on this offense. Mm-hmm. Give Dobbins his, you know, 18-plus touches a game and, and let the offense roll from there. Ronnie Stanley, huge loss on that line. Huge. That's going to hurt them. Uh, but it's time for the Ravens to wake up. You know, uh, one one last word on this offense, and then we'll move on to the next one. When you talk about waking up and changing things up, getting J.K. Dobbins more involved, getting more shots downfield to Marquise Brown, something that I think should wake this team up. Look at their schedule to date so far this season, right? Five and two. The five wins, Cleveland, Houston, Washington, Cincinnati, Philadelphia. The yep. two losses, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they got so, worked in that Kansas City game. They got absolutely, you know, absolutely abused. So, there is I, no, I think it's one of those – yeah, I think they're a fake five and two. I, I yeah, there's agree. no I, reason for this team to go ten and six and lose in the first round, right? right. You wanna, if you want to believe you can beat Pittsburgh in January, believe you can beat Kansas City in January, you got to show something in the regular season, and I think that's going to be uh, showing something by changing something up. So maybe we see that from this Baltimore team going forward. If you take a little bit of a, a solace in, in this, it's that this is a team with a lot of continuity and a well-coached team. So you would feel as though defense. they – and yeah. a good defense. So the, the right ingredients to be able to make these changes on the fly. Yeah. And and you wonder, I mean, I don't know how much the Ronnie Stanley uh, injury is going to Do they become more of a running team because the passing game isn't working? Yeah, you know, they does, really Does might. that hurt everybody across the board? You know, do they say, hey, listen, let's rely on the run game more. The passing game isn't working. And just pound J.K. Dobbins. I would be buying J.K. Dobbins uh, the same way I'm buying, have been saying to buy DeAndre Swift. Uh, which that's another whole mess over there. I don't even want (laughs) to. I'm so happy that we're not talking about the Detroit Lions in this show. Uh, We'll see what the Ravens bring. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tough matchup this week at Indianapolis 
in week nine. Two more offenses I want us to get to here. The first one, the Denver Broncos. Uh, the change here, some signs of life from Drew Locke in that second half against the Chargers. That was a game that, you know, I'll be honest, uh, with uh, with Bears Saints going on and that one being close throughout and Seattle-San Francisco just being a fun game, I sort of stopped paying attention to yeah. Broncos-Chargers in the second half because it seemed like a game the Chargers had well in hand and then Broncos stormed back 21 points in the fourth quarter. The walk-off touchdown pass from Locke to K.J. Hamler, and these signs of life from Drew Locke, even without Cortland Sutton, as we know, maybe give you a little bit of hope. Is this true? I'm sort of question raising the tone of my voice or the, the pitch of my voice. Is this true? A little bit of hope for this passing game for the rest it, of the it season? Totally, yeah, Mike, it totally is. I like this Denver offense, and I think there's pieces on it where uh, that are fantasy relevant. We talked about Noah Fant, uh, you know, being that high target share tight end I think he's the top, a top six tight end based on the volume they don't have much they have a bunch of guys you know they have a bunch of guys at receiver right. uh they didn't have Tim Patrick who is you know a, a pretty when he comes into the lineup and he's healthy I think he'll be the number one I'm still waiting for Jerry Judy to take over that role um he contributed mm-hmm. four seventy four this past week I, maybe that's what he's gonna be his rookie season maybe he's just that 10 to 12 fantasy point, uh, you know, wide receiver in that offense. It looks like Lindsey is the guy over Melvin Gordon. Yes, as he should be. As he should be. Uh, I agree. Um, it seems like, you know, th- at the end of the game, though, when they went to their hurry-up two-minute offense, that's when Gordon was in the game more. Maybe they look at him more as, you know, the, the pass-catching third-down running back and Lindsey as the early-down guy. Maybe. Um it's... I wonder how much that had to do with Lindsey coming off the concussion, too. I mean, Melvin Gordon turned seven targets into six catches for 21 yards. Yeah. So you can't have a ton of confidence after the seeing that sort of production. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's a mixed match. Uh, it's Drew Locke, uh, he's, the kid's talented. You know, he's, he's, he's like, I think he's like a decent bi-week replacement for your, you know, for your starting quarterback. I think you could get away with that. They'll, they'll be in games where, um, you know, like they were this past Sunday, where they're playing from behind. He could give you some fantasy stats. He's not a zero uh, with his legs. He, he can take off and run a little bit. Um, I like the offense. I, I really do. And their defense is so bad that, uh, you know, they'll be chucking it all, all around the, you know, the yard uh, most Sundays. The schedule certainly doesn't worry you really the rest of the season. Your next three, you're at Atlanta, at Vegas, home for Miami. Then you've got home for the Saints, which not a walkover of a matchup, but not the mat- the tough matchup that it's been in recent years. You're at Kansas City after that, and then the fantasy playoffs at Carolina, home for Buffalo, and at the Chargers. So there's nothing there that really you know strikes the fear of football defensive god into you yeah. when you look at it for the rest of the season. So no, that, too, 100%. definitely plays to their favor. Yeah, and, and if you're the Pat Mahomes owner, uh, you know, uh, like I am, I, I did this about two weeks ago for my Pat Mahomes teams. I looked ahead and, uh, you know, you usually, if you're a Pat Mahomes owner, you're only, you're probably carrying just him. Uh, but you got to use somebody in week 10 when they go on a buy. And, uh, Drew Locke was the guy I went to on the waiver wire, stashed him in the last week or two, uh, to play him versus the Raiders. Um, you know, I, I did this with, Baker Mayfield this past week for my Kyler Murray teams saying, all right, you know, versus the Raiders, it's going to be a good fit. And then, um, you know, it backfired with the 40 mile per hour wins. Yeah, of course, they expected to have Beckham, you know, also on the field last week when I planned this out. But, 
you know, plans in 2020 don't work out too well, there, Mike. There you go. It's uh, exactly. I think we've all learned that lesson all too well. Speaking yeah. of plans in 2020 not working out well, let's wrap this up with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, there's a return to Andy Dalton this week. Uh, Mike McCarthy has already said that he's clear concussion protocol. He's good to go here. Obviously, the guy that we're most concerned about is Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, this is the biggest bust of the fantasy season. I think, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley only gave you about a game and a quarter, but at least there's an injury there. At least there's an injury with Christian McCaffrey. Ezekiel Elliott's been healthy all season and has given you nothing. And now Andy Dalton as the quarterback the rest of the year with what we've seen from the offense without Dak Prescott. I mean, are you even treating Zeke as an RB1 for the rest of the season? Because I don't think he's going to be. This was a this was a big Twitter debate with a lot of fantasy industry guys the other night, and uh, I called Zeke a RB two. Yeah, uh, I don't even think he's. I wouldn't even think of him as a top twelve uh, running back after what I've seen the last couple weeks. Uh, I think he's an RB two. Uh, I think it's real trouble. It's going to be a lost season if you took Zeke. You know, as one of those top three guys, um, it's it's troubling. They don't use him in the pass game. They're getting Tony Pollard more involved. Uh, you know, he's out there five minutes left in the game the other day, Mike. And yeah. this, the drive starts, you're down 10 points or whatever you're down, and Tony Pollard's on the field. Like, was yeah. Zeke healthy or something? <laughs> I don't I don't really, you know, why would Pollard be in the game? So it's just a complete mess. Gallup all of a sudden comes out of nowhere to lead the team in offense. And uh, rest in peace for all, all, all you Amari Cooper owners. Uh, you just had a great September, and uh, after that, uh, you know, it's all downhill. You know, the I think the biggest concern, even to me, even a bigger concern than Andy Dalton is the state of I'm this sorry, offensive Mike, line. Just, I, right? I mean, I think second. if you put Andy – I said the, the bigger concern to me beyond Andy Dalton is the state of the offensive line. I think if you put Andy yeah. Dalton behind a decent offensive line, he's not going to be – anywhere near Dak, but he's at least, I mean, he's, we've seen Andy Dalton for a decade here. He's a competent quarterback for the most part, not a great quarterback, but not someone who's going to totally tank your offense, but mm-hmm. combine him with what this line is. And I think that's really where the trouble sets in for everyone. Yeah. I mean, the offensive lines, you know, been falling apart on a weekly basis to get Martin back. Uh, Looney, same thing. Um, you know, are we, are we judging, the Cowboys offense based on what we saw this past Sunday versus the Eagles with, with the, you know, the seventh rounder uh, fresh in our mind and not judging it based on, you know, Andy Dalton going forward. I wonder if, you know, a lot of people are going to be making that mistake and the offense isn't going to be as terrible as we thought it would be. Um, it's just an offense. You don't know what to expect. You know, C.D. Yeah, Lamb, everybody was so high on C.D. Lamb as well they should be with what he was doing with Dak Prescott. And now it seems like he's been forgotten the last couple of weeks. So the value is just getting sucked out of this offense. And I can't expect too many, um, you know, blow up games from any of these three wide receivers. It's just going to be a, you know, a jumbled, you know, three, four catch game, uh, you know, from each of these guys maybe, but I don't, I don't, I don't see the big offensive explosions from this offense coming. Three games without Dak Prescott, uh, CeeDee Lamb has 11 catches for 91 yards. Yes. And this was a guy who was, you know, a pretty consistent five, six, seven catch guy for 70 yards at least with Dak under center and just mm-hmm. hasn't been there for him. I do take a little bit of solace in the fact that the first game with Andy Dalton, he still got seven catches for 11 on 11 targets in that game. 
Yeah, we, we don't know who Andy Dalton's favorite guy is going to be here. If or if, if he isn't going to, or if he isn't even going to have, uh, you know, a favorite target. Uh, I know a lot of people were were, ha- were thrilled with what you know they saw that second half on Monday night mm-hmm. versus Arizona, thinking, you know, all right, he went to Michael Gallup for three big catches uh, in in that half, and maybe Gallup is his guy. Um, but uh, it's just a wait and see. What do you what do you do with these guys as an owner of Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup? Like going forward, Mike, what what would you do? Do you you keep putting them out there? I'll be honest with you. I was telling I, what I did. I have you know two or three shares of Amari Cooper on teams. I benched him uh, coming into this past Sunday versus the Eagles. And talking to friends, they were like, "Are you crazy? You benching Amari Cooper?" I was like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. what do you do? You, it's you got to stop thinking of some of these guys with their names attached to them. It, you know, September Amari Cooper isn't coming back with Dak Prescott attached to him. Yeah, you know, I, I I agree with you, and it'll be. I'm I'm very interested to watch this team against Pittsburgh in Week Nine because it's a tough matchup. But you get Andy Dalton back, and a lot of the same personnel that Andy Dalton knows from his years in Cincinnati. Obviously, it's not the exact same team and the exact same schemes and all that, but he still knows a lot of that personnel and may know him. So it'll be interesting to see what this Dallas team is able to do in that game against Pittsburgh. I still feel it's going to be it's going to be somewhere in between the two extremes, obviously. Um, you know, It's not going to be the Ben DiNucci Cowboys. It's definitely not going to be the Dak Prescott Cowboys. I still feel like you can get wide receiver two style numbers for the rest of the season out of Cooper and maybe Lamb. The problem is is that it's just going to be so unpredictable yeah. as to when it comes. And I could be wrong. That's also a problem. I could I, just be wrong about that. I think everybody gets downgraded, uh, you know, a notch. Cooper goes like from an, a exactly. wide receiver yep. one to yep. a two. <laughs> Lamb goes from a two to a three. Gallup goes from a three to a, you know, a flex or a bench option. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like uh, everybody takes a, a big hit. And Zeke, like we said at the top, goes from an RB1 to an RB2. Best laid plans not coming through for the Dallas Cowboys this season. The best laid plans, however, I think they came through for us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to wrap things up right there. This show, TAFFP, back with you tomorrow. That will be me, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston talking Week 9 rankings. This show, the Tuesday show, back with you, of course, one week from today when that slacker Nando DeFino is back from vacation. So I guess I'll give him the host chair back for that one. But this was fun, Chris. I was happy to get to work with you on the air this week. Likewise, Mike, was a, an uh, absolute pleasure taking a tour around the league. All right, that's going to do it here for Chris Vaccaro. I am Michael Beller. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you.